emergency podcast again. Two in a week, this time an evening emergency podcast. Had to come back downstairs from bed, get dressed again, and fire up the podcast. Why are we here? Miguel Rojas, El Capitan, traded to the Los Angeles Dodgers. We're going to cover all of the reaction to the trade and what it means to the Miami Marlins in 2023. All on today's show. You are Locked On Marlins, your daily podcast on the Miami Marlins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings from England and welcome to Locked On Marlins. This is your daily Marlins podcast and I am your host, Peter Pratt. Hit me up on Twitter at MiamiMarlins underscore UK. Thanks for making Locked On Marlins your first listen, your second listen, your last listen of the day. It depends when you get your pods. It's almost midnight here in the UK, but me and the UK goat, Sean Barrett, are back on the mics. We had to. The news drops. Rumors were circulating and then Rojas traded to the Los Angeles Dodgers. Sean Barrett, first off, how are we doing, brother? Not too bad, Pete. First, you wake me up before I finish my coffee. Now you're mm. you're grabbing me while after a few beers. So uh, <laughs> could be interesting. <laughs> Absolutely, mate. Well, listen, if uh, if you pass out, we know why. Hope you enjoy that beer as, uh, as things go. I'm on dry jan, so I don't have those problems. But I was actually in bed and just about to turn the lights off. Uh, but the news drops, uh, we saw... Uh, first off, the reports are say the, the the Dodgers are deep in discussions regarding Miguel Rojas. And then pretty much like five minutes later, um, Craig Mish, our man, reporting per sources that a deal has effectively been agreed. And it's a one-for-one -one deal, it seems. Um, but first off, Sean, before we get into the player coming back uh, from the Dodgers, just your immediate reaction that Miguel Rojas, the longest tenured Marlin, he's been through it all. Um, has been traded in his in, before the final year of his deal, um, coming off a second place in the Gold Glove Awards at shortstop. Immediate reaction on Miggy Rowe? Not a huge surprise, if I'm being honest. I'm, I'm surprised by how quickly it occurred. It was there was a slight bit of news. It, it, it interrupted my day. I went onto Twitter, and all of a sudden, the deal's done. Uh, for me, being the last tenured person on the Miguel Rojas for the Marlins shortstop position, um, Ireland. A little bit of disappointment, maybe, I don't know. I think there's still value there. I think the fact that the Dodgers mm. are after him proves that there's value there. But yeah. for me, the return is is a positive return. I think if, depending on how the season went going forwards, and at the moment with the team as it is built, there isn't a lot of excitement as far as playoff sort of potential. He was probably going to get traded at the deadline anyway. Yeah. So to get a return, and I'm, we'll get into that, of what they got, I, I think it's a positive trade. And I think there are further reaching consequences of this trade occurring, which, again, I'm pretty sure we're going to get into. We're definitely going to get into it, no doubt. Uh, like you said, it, this has come quickly. In, in many ways, the news has come quickly. I, I sensed, uh, as the listeners will know, as soon as the Gene Segura move was made for me that was a clear indication that the marlins were thinking about going in a different direction through the middle infield and we'll wait to see is gene segura going to take over shortstop 
duties? Is Jazz Chisholm Jr. going to take over shortstop duties? Everything I've been seeing from the Marlins this offseason has been really focused in on pumping up Jazz. All of their content has been really centered around Jazz Chisholm Jr. Um, he obviously uh, was out there saying about Great Britain, I'm playing shortstop. He didn't even say what country he's playing for, just that he's playing shortstop. And we knew that that's, that's the desire that Jazz has. The Marlins are deciding to build around Jazz Chisholm Jr. And it's the right move. He's a superstar. And the Marlins should be building around Jazz Chisholm Jr. We'll wait to see on that. But, Sean, what about a favorite moment of yours from Miggy Rowe? He's been with the organization for years. Um, is there anything that particularly stands out when you think back of Miguel Rojas and a particular moment or a game or a home run or a play, anything? The one thing that, that Rojas has always meant to me is just a player that has extended his ability to play baseball through effort. Mm. When In the early, early days of his time with the Marlins, there was a little battle between him and JT Riddle, if anybody remembers that name. Yeah. And these were these were two defensive kind of aspect guys without much of a bat. And and Miguel has always been that guy that just through effort alone has been able to make a major league baseball career. And he's going to be on the Dodgers next year. So he's genuinely going to have a potential to play meaningful games through into the playoffs and potentially compete for a World Series. Yeah. And this guy that back when he was first with the Marlins and when they traded for him from, I think it was the Dodgers originally. It was. It was. He was a Dodger. He was He was this kind of quad-A player, this kind of guy that may, may or may not make it. And all of a sudden, he's had a genuine major league career and now has a chance to, to succeed at the, at the grand stage. And for me, that is how I will remember him. I wear, or I have previously worn number 19 when I play baseball because of that reason, that reason that effort alone can get you to the promised land. Absolutely. No, you can never knock Mickey Rowe's effort, his desire, his just keenness to be better. That's just when you speak to him, when you hear him talk all the time, he's trying to squeeze out every last ounce that's in there and trying to put it on the field. So we can never, ever knock that. For me, I've got tons of Miggy Rowe moments that, that stick in my mind. The first one, I would say, is is probably, I mean, we've I've got about four T-shirts with it on. The Air Rojas uh, play where it was that kind of leap over. Someone sliding in. It was against the Phillies, I think, from memory. But someone sliding in. Let's say it was Bryce Harper. And it was a, you know, a, a signature moment from Miggy Rowe that ended up on tons of T-shirts. Um, the other one from this, maybe the same year, um, was his return back. He'd he'd been on the COVID IL, I think, from memory. Um, he was rushed back. The Marlins were in the hunt in 2020. Uh, obviously, he wanted to get back. He came back. It felt like he was, like, you know, fresh off the, the, the doctor's bed almost. And in his first game back against the Nats, he unloaded a bomb against Patrick Corbin, uh, which, again, was, like, a big moment. The Marlins won that game too, which ended up being crucial as well. Um, so Miggy Rowe in that 2020 year, that for me was his pinnacle. That was his peak. It was when he really, truly emerged as the El Capitan. Marlins was different then. 
that you know everyone was living and breathing the Marlins, and Miggy Rowe was a big part of that. It was an us, uh, us against the world kind of mentality for the Marlins because they were right at the kind of epicenter of this kind of you know COVID outbreak situation. Uh, you know they were the first ones to be impacted by it, and Miggy Rowe was right. He was the heartbeat of that. That Marlins team was so so scrappy, scrapping wins. It's exactly the type of team that makes you think of Miggy Rowe. And what I can't forget as well, Miggy Rowe, and for those that maybe haven't listened, uh, the former podcast I hosted, Fish Across the Pond, Miguel Rojas was a guest on that pod. So I've got, you know, spent 40 minutes with Miggy talking on the pod, uh, which again is another um, wonderful moment that, that I'll always remember and the, the fact he gave me the time. And it was a, you know, a great conversation, a great insight. So loads of moments of Miggy Rowe. Um, he'll be missed. He'll be missed, Sean, I think, because, you know, the defense was sensational. He was probably robbed this year for, for the Gold Glove Award, I guess, but the defense is going to take a step back, I think. I mean, it's it's hard to take a step forward when you've had the elite defense at shortstop for, for many, many years. Uh, but I think the Marlins clearly here are, are prioritizing some offensive upgrades, right? I think that's at the heart of this decision um, is to try and, get some offensive production back at the shortstop position. Absolutely. I mean, if you look at his career with the Marlins, it has been the case of where he's been a defensive shortstop. I mm. think if he played for anyone other than the Marlins, then he'd probably have a better chance of having that that gold glove kind of caliber um, or even have that, 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 that trophy. I think for me, the Marlins won't get a better defensive shortstop for many years. I think if they move Segura over there or wherever they move Jazz over there, obviously the bat is upgraded, but the defense is lessened. I think ultimately this move isn't for anything other than off-the-field issues. I think what happened last year is is what is... That, that occurring has, is what has affected what we have now with him being traded. Yeah. I, I can't see... A, a on the field reason to move him because of defense there as such value he has been such a mainstay you know that one one and a half to two war player for Miggy mm. I mean he's he's not a star player let's not you know let's not over inflate him but that value with the contract value when you're talking about the Marlins as well that that's so important for the team to have players that that play above what they actually earn. So for the Marlins to make this move, for me, is slightly problematic. But mm -hmm. I why they do it, because ultimately they're, they're, we are now in a position that you've got Segur and you've got Jazz and you've got that little bit of backup now and they can move on from Miguel. And if that improves the clubhouse, you know, we might not see that on the field, but that definitely has a value. I think you... you starting to pull at the heart of this decision now, really. Because to your point there, Miguel Rojas earning $4.5 million. He was a two-and-a-half war guy last year with a really poor bat. Let's even say the, the bat kind of half comes back to what it was in 21 or, tw or 2020. You've got a three, four war guy there at $4 million, $4.5 million, a uh, guy who's been around a long time and could play pretty much any position. What that says, either A, they really like the deal, in terms of the player coming back. And we're going to talk about him shortly, but I think you're really pulling up the strings here now about 
The Marlins have just made a decision. They may have made it some time ago that it's time to to change the culture in the clubhouse. Mickey Rowe, the old El Capitan that's been around there enforcing the old rules. And we heard on the Rose rotation pod when he addressed it, he said, maybe I didn't take the right approach. Maybe, uh, you know, the, the rules, you know, the unwritten rules, we see it on the field, but off the field too. Sometimes that prohibits players. It, it limits them. And I think the Marlins clearly... I think that's fed into this decision, Sean. I think you you have to look at it and say, for them to trade Miggy Rowe and the value he brings on the field, particularly defensively, says to me that this isn't just an on-the-field decision. This isn't off the field. And I think they've made a statement here to say, we're going to go in a different direction, take the clubhouse in a different direction, and let some of the young guys flourish, maybe. That's maybe at the heart of it, particularly Jazz Chisholm Jr., that maybe being hamstringed by, by Miggy Rowe. Let's talk about our good friends over at uh, Bet Online, and then we'll talk about the player coming back and what it means uh, for maybe some of the other remaining Marlins uh, that we've uh, touched on briefly as well. Um, but guys, the episode is brought to you by Bet Online, and for those that were betting on Miggy Road to be traded to the Dodgers, it's time to go and cash it in, guys. I would say because uh, that I think the odds would have been relatively long. I didn't have a price on that, but anyway, it's your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. All the latest odds and trends for every professional. And amateur league out there, every single one of them. Um, you've got the NFL playoffs kicking off uh, this weekend, which should be sensational. Be sure to check all of the odds there. The Dolphins seen the news that Tua won't be playing. Um, so we uh, will prayers up for the Dolphins, I guess. Um, they're the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts. Okay, Sean. We have a guy coming back, Jacob Admire. We you know, we haven't talked about him thus far. It's right that we spent most of the time talking about Miggy Rowe, but Jacob Admire, he's on the 40-man for the Dodgers, so we have to call that out. Uh, a middle infielder as well uh, at the upper minors levels, so kind of in that same uh, range as like a Groshans and um, Javier Edwards that they've also traded for this, this offseason. Um what can the Marlins or what are they seeing in this profile here from uh, from Jacob Amaya? For me, it is a case of when I tweeted out before we jumped on. This is 24-year-old Miguel Rojas. It okay. is a case of defensively, he's been described as being the best minor league, uh, the best middle infield defender in the organization of the LA Dodgers. So, Big claim. So for me, that is a that is a guy that is absolutely going to be an above average shortstop for the Marlins in the future, and by the future, I mean potentially from June onwards this year. Uh, one of the interesting aspects of this player is that he's growing into some power, which yeah. I know that shortstop now you expect you know these guys having twenty five. 30 home run power but back in the day when I first became a fan of baseball shortstops were defensive guys only and if you got mm. anything from the bat then that was all gravy for yeah. the Marlins unless they draft and develop these stud guys that's kind of where they have to be the, the, the catcher the shortstop the center field all being defensive first players because they're cheap um, but you get more value from the money that you're spending on them. That's the reason why they brought in a guy like Stallings. That's why Rojas for many years and we'll forget the, the centre field for now. For me, Amaya brings in a guy that is essentially 
Miguel Rojas with a potential of having more power potential, which for me makes it even more incredulous. The Dodgers just don't promote him and have him be the guy that comes up for them. So yeah. real weird move for me because Rojas is probably going to start for them and move Chris Taylor into the sort of like bench role, utility role. Um, and that, that we, I remember when we were speaking about the Marlins bringing in Chris Taylor, like the money that they're spending on him makes it even more incredulous that they're going to bring him in to put him, Chris Taylor, on the bench. For yeah. me, this is a major deal for the Marlins. This is a major upgrade on their potential future because we know that that Miguel was going to go, he's going to walk at the end of this year. So mm. to, to get value that we might see at the major league level this year that might actually be better than Miguel Rojas is, is incredible. There we go. Feels like, I mean, if that uh, that assessment uh, rings to be true, which no reason to doubt at this point, they've effectively moved a one-year Miggy Rowe, who's 34, and gone and got a, a full, fully controlled 24-year-old Miggy Rowe with more pop. Kim, another stormer. I tell you what, Kim, when she... These trades, they don't seem to come quite as often as maybe we'd like as Marlins fans. However, when they come, I must say, Kim always seems, on the face of it, to get the better of these deals. This, for me, looks like a great deal. Um, you know, like I said, Miggy Rowe, if the bat does play, he is a 3-4 war kind of guy because of the, the defense. And But for, for the Marlins, they need to be turning those one-year guys into six, seven years. And that's the beauty of, you know, 700 grand guys i guess for the for the next couple of years so do you do we think he could be let's kind of segue into what it means do we think that they could be bringing a meyer in to start could he be brought in as the sh as starting shortstop do we think or is this uh, someone else in that position it's a really interesting conversation isn't it because mm -hmm. uh, it's gonna be hard to follow me here but if they don't start a meyer at shortstop then yeah. are they gonna start jazz at shortstop keep Segura at second base and then have Groshans play third base. It's, it's interesting. I mean, if you if you keep Amaya at shortstop, keep Jazz at second base, you keep you move Segura over to third base and then you have Groshans kind of in and out in a bench role. I think it's, I think between the, the four or five players that we're talking about here, you're talking about flexing people across. I think if you're going to start Chisholm at shortstop, you just start him at shortstop and he gets all 500 at-bats. I've spoken a lot about Jazz. I've even written about Jazz this, this week. And I, I factored in the idea that maybe he would start more games at shortstop. Mm. And this move for me, I've been, I've been off the Jazz at shortstop idea until now. <laughs> I you forced into it. <laughs> yeah, I, I genuinely now feel that that is where the team are pushing themselves towards, yeah. and I think Jazz will now, as it stands, play more games at shortstop than any other player for the Marlins. This we don't know. We don't know any information thus far, and we we got to wait to see how the pieces all drop. For me, I, I've been convinced of it. I've been convinced that they're happy with Jazz. Everything we've heard coming out is that they still see Jazz 
playing shortstop. He wants to play shortstop, and and I believe signed Segura to play second base. It, it was to me, it was clear they were talking about Gavin Lux, they were talking about Glaber Torres, they were talking about um, Brendan Rodgers. Everyone they were talking about was a second baseman, and to me, they were the signals. They're getting in a second baseman, and then they're going to slide Jazz the shortstop. That doesn't help as a third base still, though, Sean, I have to say, because at third, for me right now, you've got a, a, a Wendell, Birdie, Groshans kind of platoon going on. Those three will kind of split time maybe at third and across the you know, the middle infield as well. But actually, that's probably a nice little blend, actually, there with you know Birdie, Wendell, Groshans. I'd be relatively okay. The reality is at third base, like I, I think I talked about it maybe last week, it's a position of need, I think, within the organization. We don't have a prototypical third baseman. We also need to address first base as well in terms of there has to be another third, a first baseman on the roster. I know Kim today mentioned, well, maybe Miggy Rowe can slide over there. Um, maybe Nick Fortes can slide over there. Well, Miggy Rowe won't be, won't be sliding over there. And I, I don't think Nick Fortes should be sliding over to first base either. So I think she was saying all she could say. What she didn't say, though, not to segue us off, but what she didn't say was we're thinking about Heirar Encarnacion there at first base. And every indication for me about Heirar Encarnacion has been, I think he's surplus to requirements because they're not trying him at first, even though he's played a little bit in, in winter ball in the minors. There's a clear need at first, and they're still not trying him at first. That says to me, I'm not sure what the future looks like for Heirar Encarnacion, to be honest with you, with the Marlins organization. It looks a little bit blocked in the corners. Uh, I think they're going to add a stick. That was another major thing from Kim today, though, as well, Sean. I'm, I'm sure you've seen is, you know, we're, we're looking to add a bat. And I think they could be plural there, to be honest with you. But um, where do we see third base? Where's your head at on that specific, on that position specifically? And then we'll we'll kind of wrap up here. I think at this point, it has to be Groshans because when, when Kim said we're looking to add a bat, a bat, in my head, I was thinking just, just one. I mean, there's a gap at centre field. We know yeah. that. We need yeah. a guy at first base to back up Coop because yeah. you know the idea. This was pre-trade, but Rojas at first base, he can play first base. Don't get me wrong, but yeah, the the, the bat is just it's not. It first doesn't base. play right. It doesn't play at first. Nick Fortes can play <laughs> at first, but again, a the bat. But are you going to play both? Are you going to start both your catchers in a game? I mean, where's the sense in that? They mm. have to go out and get a first base bat. Yeah. We know that they, they they don't have to, but they really do need to going out there and get a centre field bat. They do. And if they fill those two gaps and Groshon plays third, I'll live with it. But if they don't fill those two bats, then they need to fill the third best spot because Groshans, as, as as good as I think he might actually be, he's young and he's raw and, yeah. and 500 at-bats of Groshans is, is, is not, for me, a, a, a competitive way to, to run a baseball team. So a bat is not enough. It needs to be yeah. two of those three and ideally it needs to be all three. Agreed. They, they need a lefty first base stick. Lewin Diaz, by the way, back on, on waivers. He's been DFA'd again. This is the most hilarious situation ever for, for, for Lewin. I can't even imagine what he's thinking. But they need a lefty stick at first base to spot with Coop. 
That's they definitely have to do that. I, I mean, I'd love for them to find a solution, a long-term solution at third base. They drafted Jacob Berry. He's not playing third base ever in the major leagues. I, I, listen, I, I'll buy everyone here a bottle of wine if uh, if Jacob Berry starts more than 10 games for the Marlins at third base in his career. I just can't see that happening. And like you said, they still need a center fielder. And actually, you know, there's room to address one of the corner spots too. There's a lot of work to do here. One final news and note before we get out of here. Um, Charles LeBlanc uh, clears waivers. So after all of that hyperbole around Charles LeBlanc, he ends up clearing waivers. He can still elect free agency because uh, he's been drafted back in, I think, 2016 or 17. So he's been a pro for a certain amount of time. So even though the, the, the service time isn't there, he can still elect free agency. I think Kim spoke about it today saying hopes he re- remains with the organization. Um, he wasn't claimed. Surprised that he wasn't claimed? Or is he just, uh, I guess, organizational depth at this point? Yeah, he, he is organizational depth. I I, um, I spoke a little bit about him on Twitter. It is a case of he is a quad A baseball player yeah. who I think his 370-plus BABIP reached him to a 107 WRC plus with below average defense. He is quite literally organizational depth. He's a guy that he'll come up every year. Any team he's on, he'll come up. There'll be injuries, there'll be movement, and he'll get some time at the major league level. But he's not a player, even though he had his period of time with the Marlins last year where he was hitting well, and we were like, oh, who is this guy? Where's he yeah. come from? Ultimately, he is depth. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. Wait to see what happens with LeBlanc. Wait to see what happens with Lewin Diaz. Uh, what we know for certain, Miguel Rojas traded to the Los Angeles Dodgers. In return, uh, Jacob Amaya back, effectively a 10-year younger player uh, with full control and also needs to be on the 40-man. So that's something we haven't got into today. But to call out the fact that the 40-man is full, they still need to add Johnny Cueto to the 40-man Miggy Rowe will be coming off, but Amaya will be coming on. Thus, they still need to clear one spot to get that deal done and official for Johnny Cueto. So, with that being said, buckle up. Eyes emojis. It's Locked on Marlins. Emergency podcast just approaching midnight on Wednesday, the 11th of Jan. This episode will drop imminently, immediately. Thanks for making Locked on Marlins your first listen of the day or last listen. I appreciate it, guys. I appreciate Sean Barrett, as always, for hopping on in our time of need. I'll be back very soon.